Heavenly Father, we come now to open your word, and we pray that you would open our hearts. Help us to hear from you, to not hear from any human instrument, but that in a mysterious way, your voice would be heard, that you would challenge us through your scriptures so that we can continue to have a relationship with you. Take all that we've sung and all that we've prayed and all that we'll now consider together and show us the beauty and the wonder and the joy of who you are, the good news that this whole world has reason to celebrate. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I invite you to open a Bible to Mark chapter 1, the Gospel of Mark in chapter 1. We began a series last week entitled, One Savior, Four Gospels. And one of the unique things when we open up our Bibles is that we have four different Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so there was a decision in the early church to preserve all four and not look at it and say, well, I think Luke is good enough and and he gets it all together. Let's just put Luke in there. Um, No, there was a, a conviction on their part that there is something that comes about when we get to see all four. And what we see is that there is one Savior. They all point to the same person, Jesus, but they accent and highlight different parts of who he is. And so the oneness, we see there's similarity. They're all talking about the same Jesus. And there's something similar that we can trace in the different accounts. And yet we, we learn things when we look at different parts of his life or different aspects of his personality and in his character, much like, much like we would do with one another. Some of us only know people one-dimensionally. We, you know, we have a coworker, and we only see them uh, in their environment uh, as somebody who works together with us. We don't see what they're like when they're at home and when they're interacting with their siblings. We don't see them when they're just doing their hobbies or their recreational life. But when we get to know somebody in a variety of ways, and we see not only what they're like at work, but what they're like as a parent, what they're like as a citizen, what they're like as just a friend, we get to appreciate somebody more because we get to experience all of them. And we enjoy when people get to experience all of us. Anybody can make interpretations about us that would be wrong if they only knew us one way and they only saw us in certain settings. And so there's a beauty that comes when we get to know the diversity of someone's own personality. And it's actually one of the unique things about the Christian scriptures compared to other scriptures that God didn't give his message to only one person in one time and place, but our whole Bible is actually given over a period of 1,500 years to over 40 different authors in three different languages. So that when we say we believe that God has spoken in his word, we believe that he's spoken over a period of time and in a variety of settings and to a variety of people. And the amazing thing is that there is this similarity that in all of it, one God is revealed. In all of that time, in all of that diversity, there is one God to whom we are pointed to. When it comes to these four Gospels, we're highlighting a couple of different things. With Matthew, we saw last week that God is faithful. Matthew opened with a genealogy and just name after name after name of 
children that had been born and God's provision through generations. And so Matthew was pointing us back to the Old Testament and to how God had fulfilled promises that he made. And that's what we mean when we say God's faithful. God made promises and he kept his promises. Today we're looking at Mark and we're going to see how Mark highlights for us that God is holy. Next week, Stan will take us through Luke and show us that God is great. And then on the 18th, we'll see from John that God is love. And as Christians, we view that all of these things go together and we have to understand them together to really appreciate who Jesus is and what it is that he has done. And then you've been supplied in your handout with a reading calendar. If you've never made a habit of it, a number of people, when they come to this time of year from right after Thanksgiving up to to Christmas Day, it's called Advent, and the church celebrates regularly looking into the life of Jesus, not just on Christmas Eve and Christmas morning. And so what we've done is provided a calendar that if you commit to reading it, the readings would take about 20 minutes. And a 20-minute daily reading could get you through all four Gospels within a month, taking off on Sundays. And so today we're preaching in Mark, and then the assignments are to get through Mark by Saturday. And then next Sunday we'll preach Luke, and then in a week the goal would be to get through Luke. So that if, if you're a week behind, now you can look at that and say you've got a morning reading and an evening reading. You can go through Matthew in the morning and, and Mark in the evening. And again, it still would only take about 45 minutes of your day to do that. But it's a challenge to see how you might enjoy Christmas differently if you committed to actually reading through the whole story of Jesus' life in a, in a very time-specific period. And so now we'll turn uh, to Mark chapter 1 where your Bibles are open and we'll read the first 15 verses if you'll follow along. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing, Their sins. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. That will conclude our reading for this morning.
Mark's gospel actually opens not with the birth of Jesus, but with the ministry of a person named John the Baptist. And the first time we see Jesus, he's already 30 years old. And there's something that Mark is highlighting for us in starting in this way that we're supposed to see that's a little bit unique from Matthew and from Luke and from John. And so we're going to just go through this passage and first see that John's role, as, this, as Mark tells us, was to fulfill something that had been written in the prophets that a way needed to be prepared. John was preparing the way. He was a voice crying in the wilderness. That before people could understand Jesus and could even understand the significance of his birth, there was something that they needed to be prepared for. There was something that they needed to hear and to get ready for. And sometimes we need to realize that about our own lives, that before we even come to open our Bibles, before we even come to consider and to ask questions of one another, we have to consider where we're coming from, whether or not we are prepared to learn, whether we're prepared to listen, and whether we're prepared to follow. And so Mark begins by saying that John the Baptist was sent before Jesus made his public announcement to prepare people. And there's a song that, that many of us sing at Christmas time called Joy to the World. And one of the, the refrains, one of the parts of the verses says, Let every heart prepare him room. You can fill out the first two parts of your handout if you just know the song Joy to the World. Let every heart prepare him room. That one of the challenges that we have to acknowledge is that we bring to everything that we're learning and to everything we're thinking about our own biases, our own perspectives, maybe bad experiences that we've had with other Christians or bad experiences that we've had with the church. And so before we can even really dig into and think about who God is and what he means for our lives, there's a work of preparing that needs to be done in us. We need to ask ourselves, are we open? Are we open to really considering what the Bible says about who Jesus is? And if we're not, can we identify why we're not? Is there a bitterness in our own hearts? Is there a a bad experience that maybe we've had? But to what extent are we open and prepared to now hear the message that would come? Well, that preparing became specific. It was that people were confessing their sins. And so John came preparing the way by inviting people to confess their sins. And it says that he was doing a baptism in verse 4. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And this comes to the question, if we say that Jesus is our Savior, saved from what? If, if we say that Jesus is our Savior, and that's what we're celebrating at this time of year especially, a reasonable question is, <clears throat> well, saved from what? And in that, we get at what John's message was. When he stood out in the wilderness by a river and he was inviting people to make a public demonstration, what he was asking them to demonstrate was that they struggle with sin and that they needed to confess that. They needed to acknowledge that. He used the S word, Sin, a word that we don't use as much today. But what he understood by it was that 
He wasn't minimizing any other problem. And actually today, whatever it is that you believe, we can all acknowledge that the world is not as it's supposed to be. Things that should be a lot easier, a lot harder than they should be. Uh, Things don't go the way that we plan, that we envision. People don't treat one another the ways that they should. And we can measure that in all kinds of ways when we look at different ethnic groups that are at war with one another, if we look at some of the ways in which resources are distributed disproportionately to different groups of people, and we can look at some people having an amazing education and some people having no education, we can just look into our world and see that there is a disparity of a quality of life that exists, and the world is not as it should be. But as Christians, while we acknowledge all of that, we say that underlying that is something that every one of us struggles with, and it's called sin. So that if we look at problems in the world and we don't address sin, and all we address are the, the, the surface, the tangible aspects of it, we'll say, okay, well, to fix this problem, what we really need is more education. What we really need is more law and order. What we really need is more... And we'll make all kinds of recommendations... But what we're really just trying to do is improve a situation on the external and never address the core and the root of the issue. And so that if, if I'm just bent on disobeying and doing what's wrong, if you give me a really good education, I'll just do it better. If my heart is set on causing trouble, if you give me an education, I'll just do it better. If my heart is set on doing something wrong and you just give me more money, I'll just do it bigger. Something first has to happen within me and within you so that when there is information that's given, when there is finances that are distributed, when there is access to all these kinds of things that we would use them not in ways that promote ourselves and that harm other people, but in ways that would actually love each other And care for one another. And so that underlying problem, that moral issue that each and every one of us has is sin. And we have it no matter what situation we were born into. If we were born in a situation where our parents love us and they cared for us, we still have sin. If we were born with with just all kinds of difficulty and struggle and, and other things... and and sin was experienced, we still have our own sin that we are dealing with. There is no discrimination in the brokenness of our world. We all experience it. We all struggle with it. And so what John comes to do is to say that the way that we get ready, the way that we prepare to really know who Jesus is and to experience him is to just be honest about that, to confess our sins, to say we need being saved from ourselves. I mean, think about it. Aren't you often your own worst enemy? There's so many things in your life that you know. It may make sense to you. You know you should do it. I always think about this with exercise. Nobody has to explain it to me, what the benefits of it are. And I have the ability to do it. I am my biggest enemy. I just... Even though I know it makes sense, I know that every time I've done it, I've never regretted doing it. I I can just build off previous experience. I'm I'm the biggest hurdle that I have to overcome to do that in a disciplined way. This reading calendar, you know, taking 20 minutes to to read the scripture, 
one of the first things that you'll learn if you just try is how hard it is for you to do it. You're like, man, I tuned out five minutes into it. I mean, I can focus on a lot of things. And I just, I did sit down. I said, I'm going to try to do this. Boo, I tuned out. Or you'll be like, oh, I did great. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I, I don't know what happened Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That if you would just commit to attempting to do something regularly, you just learn things about yourself and say, wow, there's, there's some kind of battle that's going on in here. I get that there's all kinds of stuff going on out there but I'm definitely learning that there's something also going on inside here. There's a battle going on, and we need to be saved even from ourselves. And so in light of that, John says, someone is coming. Not only are we going to confess our sins in this public way, and he's baptizing people in a river, but then he says, after me, somebody's going to come who's mightier than me, who's better than me. I'm not even worthy to get down on the ground and untie his sandals. Somebody great is going to come, and he's going to do a baptism, not an external baptism with water, but an internal baptism of our hearts through his spirit. And, and, and that's the message. John, recognizing that we've got this internal war going on, is saying the good news is not that you're just going to get wet one day. That's not your problem. I mean, it's good if we you know, bathe regularly and, and make sure that we're clean. But that's not our underlying problem. How do you clean the inside? How do you, how do you deal with the war inside? And he says, there's a person, Jesus, who's going to come, and he can do a baptism that cleans the inside. It's a baptism of the Spirit. It's something that is not seen uh, like other things that we can see. And so right after he says that, here comes Jesus in verse 9. In those days, Jesus came to be baptized by John. And then the challenge that he gives is to believe the gospel. The time is fulfilled according to Jesus. Everything that John had been preparing them for and been inviting them to to participate in and to get ready now, here is Jesus. And he's saying to them, this is the one whom you should follow. And then in our second point, Jesus comes to make, as the song said, his blessings flow far as the curse is found. We talk about sin as a curse. And so Jesus is now coming to make what he's doing for his blessings to flow far as the curse is found. He is seeking to address sin in every area that it manifests itself. But this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that somebody is here, somebody is around who can deal with the underlying and the foundational issues that we struggle with. And then even when John's arrested and it's now Jesus proclaiming the message, it's what he says. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So there's a preparing of the way, there's confessing our sins, and then there's believing that Jesus is the one who can take care of all of those things. But lastly, there's hearing the voice. Did you notice, as we were reading, what what happened right after Jesus' baptism? It says in verse 10, And when he came up out of the water, immediately the heavens were torn open, the Spirit descended, and a voice from heaven came and said, you are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. Now, if you can just picture the life of Jesus and all the things that he did for those of you who are familiar with it, and realize that Jesus has a father who sent him. 
And so there's a number of times where the father can step in and say, did you see what he just did? That's my son. He's mine. Did you see how he fed 5,000? That's my son. Did you see how he healed this person? That's my son. Did you see him walk on water? That's my son. But surprisingly, it's in none of those powerful and miraculous moments that the heavens open and the father says, this is my son. It's the time when his son stands alongside a whole group of people who are admitting that they struggle with sin and that they need to be forgiven of it, that the father says, look, that's my son. Look at who he's standing with. He came to identify himself and to be among the people who know that there is a war within them that they cannot win. And he's not embarrassed by them. He's not running away from them. He's not trying to get rid of them. He's standing right there. I mean, you could look at the line and say, I wonder what they did. (laughs) It's a confessional line. And so, oh, they're about to confess their sins. Look who just else went up. I wonder what they did. And his willingness to stand in that line and to be baptized though he had no sin. But everybody looking around him, not knowing who he is, is thinking of him as somebody who's a sinner. And he's willing to do that. He is willing to allow himself to be identified with you and with me. The way that 2 Corinthians puts it is that he was willing to be made sin for us so that you and me could become the righteousness of God. He was willing to be looked upon and treated as if he was a sinner, though he wasn't, so that you and me could be looked upon and thought of as righteous and holy even though we're not. And so the heavens open. And the Father says, look, this is what it's about. This is my son, and this is why I am so proud. There's just beaming and brimming, overflowing joy from the Father that he's got to make the announcement that this is his son, and everybody should hear him. And right after that, the first challenge of Jesus who's willing to identify himself with us, is to repent and believe the gospel. And for us to now stand and say, we are with him. He made clear publicly that he's willing to be with us. And then his immediate challenge is, are we willing to declare that we're willing to be with him? And so according to Mark, the gospel demands a decision. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, demands from you and from me a decision. There is a choice that we have to make. But we always have to make choices. It's one of the things about life, is you can't get away from making choices. Because even the decision to not do things is a decision. But you decided to come here this morning. 
That was a choice that you made. Have you made a choice about where you're going to go for all of eternity? You made a choice about what you were going to wear today. Have you made a choice about who you're going to entrust yourself to? You made a choice about where to sit when you walked into this room. Have you made a choice about who you trust to deal with the war within you and the underlying issues that you yourself struggle with? But that's the challenge of Jesus. And that's one of the things that makes Mark's gospel different than the other ones. That's why he just starts with the announcement. He says, if you're not willing to make the choice, the rest of the stuff is is not going to matter. It's not going to mean anything to you. If there isn't on our part a willingness to choose to follow him, to trust in him and to believe in him, then whether it was really three wise men or wise men bringing three gifts doesn't matter because we don't want to follow him either way. And so he puts the responsibility on our part to make a decision up front. And that's what we're challenged with today. That today can be a day not, not just where we uh, celebrate a morning of, of being comfortable, of being safe and secure, of having the freedom to gather, but that we can not only make a decision to be here, but that while here we can make a decision to live with God forever because of who Jesus is. And so in conclusion, I'll just invite us to, to not only pray, but to pray in a posture that that symbolizes that we do recognize that God is holy and that we are not. And so I'll invite all of us to kneel as we pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come before you recognizing that you are great, that you are holy, that you are powerful, And that in in moments of honest reflection, we can realize about ourselves that we are broken, that there is a battle that goes on within us, that we are fragile, and that we are in need of being saved. We ask that you would make even this very morning an opportunity for hearts to prepare room for you so that your blessings could flow far as the curse is found. And that someone who is wondering right now whether they've ever made a decision to follow you would make that now. To believe the gospel. It's a baptism through your spirit that only you can do. And so we pray that you would do your work. Amen.